Choose your mom's choose GIF, motherfucker. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. This episode is an interlude. And, Rob, uh, yes. before you go on, I had an idea. What's that? Um, you, you were talking about how you wanted to get to 10,000 pages this year. Yeah. We need a count. Right now, Booked <laughs> is at 27 pages. <laughs> January 12th when we're recording this. Oh, just, this is like the accountability. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm just, it's one update. Every time we have an episode, we're going to update it how many pages we're at. So. That's just, that just means I have to keep um, regular track of my counter because I know you're not going to track the pages. Oh, I mean, it's not, yeah, well, it's not that hard. I mean, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to read, we're going to read what, 10 books by October. So yeah, I can, yeah, we true. can probably keep track of that. So that's fair. And then, like, 30 books in the next, like, two months after that? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about this. So for anybody who isn't listening, Rob and I have been a little down on ourselves about the the how few books we reviewed last year. And last year we had the Lazy Summer of Podcasting. And if we do that again, it's going to be tough to get to 35. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the Lazy Summer of Podcasting last year was literally three episodes. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I that's mean... True. We can make as many excuses as we want to. <laughs> twenty-seven uh, pages—that's where we're at. 27, buddy. twenty-seven real quality pages, if you ask. No, me. hey, I am not—I am not questioning the quality of the reading that we've. So, um, as I was saying, interlude episode—that means that we uh, did not read a book to review. We do not have someone on that we're going to interview. We're just going to talk about some book-related stuff that's been accumulating. And as we promised in the previous episode, you will hear. The booked ticket for the This Is Horror Awards, where we talk about who we think you should vote for. Um, do we know anybody in Russia? Uh, I do not know. We got to work on. We got to get on that. Like we're Russian gonna, hackers. Yeah, we're gonna trump this award. I think <laughs> we're gonna trump these awards. Are you saying by that that we're going to expose terrible things that other podcasts have done? <laughs> um, well, I yes. That's exactly what I'm, that's exactly we, what I'm we might we might not need Russian hackers. That's oh, all I'm saying. Nice. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> so that we're gonna we're gonna do that in a little bit. We got some other stuff we're gonna talk about too. We are. Can we first talk about um that you actually got to see the book podcast intern? Ryan McCrae and you spent some time together apparently um over the I don't know, was it two days ago, yesterday? It was yesterday, yeah. Yeah. So no no uh, no recorded episode for the for the listeners to. It was tempting, but um, yeah, we just kind of launched right into a normal conversation about like bullshit work stuff, and that's just not that's not good podcasting. So we take care of the bullshit work stuff before we start recording, and then we go into the good stuff. See, so, I'm sure you guys got together to spend really quality time doing something constructive together. Is that am I correct? Are you guys doing CrossFit? <laughs> No, um, we weren't throwing tires at babies or anything like that. Um, we went to, uh, we were on a beer run. We went to uh, Three Floyds, the brewery in uh, Indiana, and had dinner. And um, this is crazy. So we're we're sitting down and we're, and um, Ryan had to do some, like Ryan kind of uh, had some unexpected last minute things, which caused me to sit around for like an hour waiting for him to get done with stuff. So he told me he was going to buy dinner. And I was like, oh, that's nice, you know, whatever. Um, 
we sit down and he's going through his pockets and he finds a $50 bill in this jacket that he hasn't worn in a long time. So it's like, yeah, that kind of cheapens the whole like buying dinner thing when you found money that's going to like cover it. So, yeah. I didn't realize that Ryan was that well off. He could just forget about 50 bucks or are you, are you, are you in that? I don't, I'm not in that position. No, I told him like, if I, <laughs> if I, if I pull out an old jacket, I'm going to find like a little note that says like you owe Olivia's $30 or something like that. It's going to be like the, <laughs> it's going to remind me of a debt that I had forgotten. Not like just, you know, a windfall of cash. That is hilarious. Um, is the food any good there? Uh, delicious. Yeah. So we had, I mean, they're primarily known for beer. Yeah. Maybe that's what the third Floyd does. Maybe he does the cooking. Yeah, two of the Floyds make the beer. The third one yeah. does the food. Um, I had a burger and mac and cheese. And um, we had a meat plate, which was basically just a bunch of like different like sausages cut up mm-hmm. and then, you know, stuff like that. But it was delicious. So much meat. I ate a lot of meat. You know, the weird thing about those is um, I went to a barbecue place recently. Yeah. And ordered that it's like their sampler plate, but it's a meat plate, but there are like no sides with it, which Just is really weird. Pile of you, meat. Yeah, you don't think about it until it shows up and you're like, oh, you know, it'd be really good. Maybe a little bit of coleslaw or something. It's mashed potatoes, a French fry. I can, you know, something I can eat <laughs> in between eight pounds of meat. Um, this came with um, like little toast, toasty round things like, you know, like if you had it. Well, I guess it'd be like if you cut up a baguette and toasted it. Gotcha. And, um, like some, like this mustard spread and stuff like that. So it was like, it wasn't just meat, but it was definitely not like a entree where there was like sides and stuff. Yeah. Good time. Uh, we, we had no progress in doing anything that was podcast related. It was all just like, Hey, you were in China for months and we haven't really caught up. So let's talk about work shit. But Brian did send in a clip for this week's episode, right? No. (laughs) Okay. Did, but he did send out an email about the This Is Horror Awards, right? No. Oh. No, he's really falling down on the whole marketing intern job. Uh, yeah. He he may have to be downgraded to just, like, guy who hangs out. Yeah. The Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking so. And actually, I had the idea that I was going to record him while we were driving. Um, but then I forgot to do that. So I apologize. <laughs> right. Really dropped the ball, but I got some free food. So that's true. Free and plate. And I bought some beers that I'm going to send up to my good buddy, Jesse Lawrence as well. Very nice. Um, how, how long of a drive is this for you to get beer? Just for people who aren't familiar with your, your drinking habits. Um, just over an hour. Um, if I go straight there, but, uh, if I, if I pick up Ryan on the way, which I do, it's like an hour and 10 minutes to get to Ryan. And then it's another 45 minutes to get to, that place so it's like two hours of driving don't forget the don't forget the hour of hanging around waiting for ryan because it was his turn to put the tractor tires away oh man yeah we had plans to get to put all the tractor exactly um we had plans to just do lunch so i head down around one i didn't get home till nine o'clock jesus (laughs) that's a whole the listeners probably just don't care about this no no you're you're absolutely right it's like oh yeah we're we're actually recording right now i forgot about that so that was the beer run, but um, that's not that's not we're not going to like you know keep reading and, and roll off. We got awesome book related things to talk about, and I think um, this first one is something that we felt for a long time, but we maybe 
haven't really put to words or thought too much about like you know that it that it's something that affects a bunch of people. But uh, Livius, you found an article on Lit Reactor that has to do with our boy Paul Nealon. Yeah, this article popped up about um, well two weeks ago. By the time people are, are hearing this, and uh, this article is called "Paul Nealon Soiled Underwear and the Best Book I'll Never Read," um, and it's written by uh, Peter Derrick and appears on uh, LitReactor.com. dot com. You can go and search for that if you'd like to read it. It's a uh, it's good reading. Um, but really, it, it touches on a topic, not just specifically with Paul Neal, and something, and a topic that likely affects me more on a regular basis than it does Rob, who just lets this stuff kind of roll off of him. But the article basically kind of covers how um, the author Peter um, had gone to see Paul Neal and read back in 2007, and uh, Neal read from um, his forthcoming book at the time that he was working on, and that was pretty close to done, and the book never materialized, um, which we are familiar with. And, and, and we, we know of this book as well. Um, but it really kind of covers the, the sadness maybe of knowing that there is something out there that you're likely to love by, by an author who you respect or an author who you love and that you can't have it. Like you just flat out can't have it. And that not just, you can't have it today. There is no promise that you're ever going to have it. Um, which is troubles. I, you know, we talked, but you know, we talked most about this was that movie road to hell, the sequel to streets of fire <laughs> yeah. and how mad I am because I know it exists and there is no way legally or illegally for me to obtain a copy of this movie. And it's like that with books. Um, Rob, I, I'm going to speak for Rob here. I think apathy and other small victories is probably one of the best 10 books I've ever read. And, and that's a lot of fucking books. And we know that there was a follow-up and that we're likely never going to see it. And it's fucking depressing. Like, there's a manuscript somewhere that I would love to read, and and I'm just not allowed to. Yeah, and um, the article does list a few other examples of, of authors and books that are, are known to be out there or in the works in the publication or the publishability of those books is definitely in question. And other books definitely that also hit close to home or, or resonate with us. Um, the fabled Godspeed by Will Christopher Bear, um, which, I mean, it was, I mean, that was a, a lost cause. Even like when the podcast was first starting almost six years ago now, yeah, it, that book was a pre-order 10 years ago, just for perspective. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so if you think about that, um, I mean, I think that's a testament to how much we really care about books from authors that we appreciate. So, like, there are people out there that have been waiting a decade for a book that they, you know, probably deep down in their heart know they're never going to get, but they care so much about the other works that they won't like give up that hope. Um, and that's a, that's a great, like, I, I, I guess like the most recent example I can think of is, is the like TV shows and stuff like that. Hannibal not making it to a fourth season, like having seen the seasons one, two, and three, I know how amazing continuing seasons of that show would be. And it just like, it breaks my heart that there's probably a plan for those season that no one's ever going to see. So, yeah, I can definitely. And then the other book that's mentioned is um, Mother Howell by friend of the podcast, Craig Clevenger, which um, 
that one definitely not in the good speed territory or good speed <laughs> that's an entirely different book i think godspeed territory of like it's never really going to make the light of day um even in recent conversations with the clevenger that we've had i think on the podcast you know it's in the process of being shopped around and stuff but um um just not published yet yeah i'm gonna <laughs> i haven't talked about this at all on the podcast because i didn't i don't know i guess i didn't want to be that guy oh here it goes but, yeah um <laughs> that guy I'm I'm gonna be that guy. I and and you know, I struggled with this a little bit because we, we did our we did our year in review episode and I know at that point I had said that the only reading I did for the podcast was for the podcast, and that wasn't true at all. Because I got to read two books that are pre publication standing. Um one was by Kevin Lynn Helmick, which was really uh, along the lines of a, a first draft really, um, which was which was terrific. Um and Mother Hell by Craig Clevenger. What? And I didn't I didn't include Mother Howl um, in in my best books because we didn't <laughs> review it for the podcast. And I didn't want to be that guy that said, you know, like, uh, you know, I know people are waiting for this. Um, uh, Craig was I, I can't the, there aren't words for me to, to kind of sum up how generous it was of him to send um, a copy of that. Uh, and I was ridiculous. I dropped everything like for that week. I was like, this is all I'm going to do that week. It was, it was the same week that the Dermaphoria dropped on, um, yeah, yeah. On iTunes or Desiree dropped Desiree. on iTunes. Yep. Yeah. So it was a pretty special Craig Clevenger week around, uh, around the Nedden household. Um, <laughs> that makes it sound like your whole family was involved. No, no, it was just me. It was just me. But it was a lot of me going quiet. I'm busy. I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. That's, that's going to have to wait for a few days. Um, <laughs> incredibly generous of him and the feeling of being able to read that after again knowing and um in, in the article on lit reactor there is the the picture that that craig had posted on uh, maybe twitter or facebook or whatever of when he had printed out the whole stack and it says mother howl and craig clevenger on it and i remember from that day being really really excited about that book and and the ability to read it it it, it has a ton of value for somebody who's such a huge fan of somebody else's work. And I don't know, I don't know that if as a creator of content, like people really understand how much that means to other people, like it's their work and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it or you'll get to it when you get it or, or whatever. But how important it can be for somebody who's, who's a huge, a, a huge fan of your work to, to be able to do that. Now I was, I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm thrilled that I got to read this. And I know that there are <laughs> tons and tons of people who want to and can't think the, the egoist in me is, is, uh, is very happy about that. That being said, I would have been just as happy to, to walk into a bookstore and buy it or, or, or buy a Kindle version or, or whatever. But yeah, there's, there's that kind of empty space inside of you when you know something you want so bad exists and you just can't have it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have the the benefit of of having built relationships with people over the years. So sometimes we see things early or um, see things that may take time to to make the light of day. So like we're very lucky in that way. But man, I think because we um, are so focused on on reading and we and we you know um, 
we're so obviously fans of, of of books and stuff. We feel that pretty hard though when it's like, man, the only thing I want in the world is another book by this guy or this lady or whatever it happens to be. I can't wait for the next Anne Rice book. <laughs> That's a lie. Um, but you get the idea. Like, um, but you don't want to. Yeah, it's just it's an awful situation because it you know it's not the author causing the problem. And you know it's not the reader causing the problem. It's the fucking process that is causing the problem. And that's just – just it's the worst. Yeah, the wait time is is ridiculous. I mean when you're talking about stuff that's published through a, a traditional publishing house, um, you know, self-publishing. And not that I'm saying that, that anybody should self-publish or, or that there's anything wrong with it. Um, the instant gratification. We talked about this with S.G. Brown, too, you know, how great it was to get some stuff and get it uh, quickly and not through a process that, you know, it gets accepted by somebody and then it's, you know, 2021 before it's scheduled release date. Uh, at least then you have something to hold on to because you have a release date, you know. Um, but it's it, it takes so long when you know, but at least then you know. And in some cases, in the case of Mother Howl, in the case of Godspeed, in the case of... I'm going to assume the untitled Paul Nealon follow-up. Um, you know, you don't know if you're ever going to see it, you know, until right. until somebody, you know, until there's that that social media post, so-and-so accepted my book and it's coming out on such-and-such such a date. You know, there's that possibility of never. George R.R. R. Martin fans, that guy may not live to finish <laughs> that 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 series, you know, and that's got to be tough for them to, to think that. But I think there's a difference in wanting another book from an author or, or a movie from, you know, a, a, a producer or, or whatever. And, you know, and knowing that it exists and you just can't, you know, may not ever see it. Um, yeah. In the spirit of this conversation, I want to let everybody know that there is a clip of audio <laughs> that's probably about 10 minutes long. Um, that happened really early into our, our doing the podcast um, that will never make the light of day. But listening to it is just, it always just cracks me up so much because it's like Livius and I talking about something and we're kind of making fun of something and we cannot stop laughing. It is just like uncontrollable laughter for 15 straight minutes. And it's just, I don't know if anybody else would find it funny. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like to, to you and I, you know, I, I can't imagine that ever won't be funny for me, but for someone else, they'll be like, wow, these guys are assholes. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. But I wanted it's, them to know it's... there's something out there that it exists and it's edited and it's perfected and it'll never be played. <laughs> Pissy boots. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's all I want to talk about. That article um, is a, a great article if you're a fan of Apathy and Other Small Victories. And I think, like I said, it, it, it touches a note with uh, with people who have authors that they really love and respect and look forward to. I was recently talking to one of my coworkers and, and just trying to find common ground with someone that I have you know, very little in common with. And uh, reading came up as a topic, and I was like, here it is. Even if this person reads <laughs> stuff I don't like, there's a thing. And I was like, who's your favorite author? And I don't have one was the response. And I was like, all right, well, tell me some of the ones that you like. And it was like, oh, I just like all kinds of different things. And I wanted to murder the person 
and then immediately <laughs> murder myself. Because here's someone who apparently reads, but will just read whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know if, if they just buy books off the shelf at like Walgreens or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just whatever's there. They're or... cruising the Goodwill and they're like, well, that is a nice cover. It sounded like a shared passion. And even if it wasn't for the same type of fiction or, or whatever, even if it was nonfiction, maybe just the, the love of reading. But this is a person who I, I don't I don't even know what to say to that. There's nobody they care about if there's a book that they can't read, I guess. So maybe they're better <laughs> off than we are. Um, there We have other stuff, though. And I want to say, Livius, I don't know if you, if you know about this, but like we, we ta- had Craig Wahlberg on last, last week. And um, he mentioned. Oh, no. I, I know that he was on. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, All right. All right. Yeah. Good. I know your memory might be going. <laughs> so um, he mentioned the Velvet. Um, and the Velvet was a website that was dedicated to fans of Craig Clevenger, um, Will Christopher Bear, and one other author, Stephen Graham Jones. So we've mentioned two of those authors. Do we have any Stephen Graham Jones news? We do. Brought to my attention by Rob. So this, this is the is, fucking this, hammiest transition I've ever done. Yeah, yeah that's pretty, pretty terrible. <laughs> it was fucking hammy. <laughs> um, the cover reveal. When when did this come to light? Today? It Yesterday? Came today. Uh, yeah. today. It's. Um, I love it when uh, when the date is right in the URL. It makes yeah. things so much easier. <laughs> um, Mapping the interior by Stephen Graham Jones will be out from Tor. In uh, in June, so just uh, five months from now. So see, now people are like, okay, there's a book, and in five months from now, I can read this book, which is which is fully acceptable. And here's what I'll say about that: that means for the people who don't have faith in us because of last year's low book count, um, having quality reviews in 2017, at the very least, it's going to be that one. And it is a novella, but it's a Stephen Graham Jones novella, which counts as like three books or something. I don't know how that. The exact formula al- algorithm, but that means we're going to review this this year. So we're reading something, at least that. Yeah, I actually read the Night Cyclist, his last kind of novella oh, yeah. slash longer short story, too last year. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I still think about that story maybe once a week, which for a little, <laughs> but I mean, no, but I mean for like yeah. a little twenty-page story I read, I don't know, five six months ago. That's that's definitely saying something. Yeah, that's um it's it was a great story. Now this one, Livius, you read the the little um it's not a synopsis, but it's like uh oh they call it catalog copy. You read that, right? I did. I'm gonna read it for the listeners just so you can get a taste of what we're looking for. By the way, that cover just looks amazing. Um walking through his own house at night, a fifteen year old thinks he sees another person stepping through a doorway. Instead of the people who could be there, his mother or his brother, the figure reminds him of his long-gone father who died mysteriously before his family left the reservation. When he follows it, he discovers his house is bigger and deeper than he knew. The house is the kind of wrong place where you can lose yourself and find things you'd rather not have. Over the course of a few nights, the boy tries to map out his house in an effort that puts his little brother in the worst danger and puts him in the position to save them at a terrible cost. Yeah, I'm sold. Ah, say no more. I mean, like, if you said Stephen Graham Jones has it, I'd be like, all right, I'm reading it. <laughs> but, like, yeah, that's that's got a kind of a House of Leaves feel to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I, I agree with that. 
houses are interesting um, structures because when you're given them some ability like that, they can become much scarier than just your standard monster. Yeah. You know, if it was just a ghost or, or, or zombies or, or whatever, you go, yeah, all right, if done right, that can be really scary. Um, but when it's a house, for some reason, it, it lends itself to an even creepier when it's a structure that has. Yeah, it's because it's like it's your environment that's turning against you, not like something in your environment. Same reason. Fuck water. Fuck the ocean. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, the only thing to make this house scarier is if you put it underwater. If it was underwater, yeah. Him yeah. and Josh Mallerman. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. It's the environment turning on you that's like, uh, that's like three times as terrifying. You know, in theory, if we were to do a lazy summer of podcasting, um, that, that would probably be one of the last reviews we did before, before uh, summer. Yeah. Hmm? Here and here before I forget to say this, I want to say with Stephen Graham Jones, um, for the first few years, for the first probably four years that we were doing this podcast, he was putting out stuff at a breakneck pace, and there was one time where I think within the course of two months we reviewed three different Stephen Graham Jones books, and I'm not exaggerating; I think that's actually true, um, and it was great because we just had this nonstop flow of content from him. And on the advice of, of, and we this was in an interview he did with us, on the advice of, of a, what are those people? Agent. An agent of his. Um, he slowed it down and, and really kind of toned down the volume of his output to the point where I don't think anything came out at all in 2015. Um, 2016 had mongrels and then a couple of little things. And this year, you know, is is starting out with a novella, and I don't think that there's any any specific novels, um, in sight. So, but what that does is it gives more value to the stuff we get, I think, which I like a lot. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I, I don't want to say that you can really get too much, but I think that the brilliance is a little lost when you're putting out stuff too often. Yeah. So it's like the reverse of the coin of. We're never going to see some of these things from brilliant minds. If you see too much, like you, you take it for granted or you don't really appreciate what you're getting. So um, don't give me too little. Don't give me too much, I think. You know he's still cranking them out at home. Oh, though, right? God, yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> just maybe they're not getting submitted as often or he's I don't like, know. But you know the pile's <laughs> getting bigger and bigger. Oh, yeah. Pencils are catching on fire. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Jones just does such interesting stuff. And uh, if I read this from a different author, I might think, oh, well, they're trying to, you know, play off the whole house to leave things. Sure. But with Steven, if if it goes in a similar direction, he's going to acknowledge and pay homage like we talked about before. And he's going to elevate the idea. And, you know, it's in service of recognizing like a great horror trope. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. You know, speaking of House of Leaves, it occurred to me, um, which rightfully so we abandoned, at least for the podcast's sake, um, <laughs> the familiar. Yeah. But I think 4 is is on its way out, right? Isn't is 4, I think, is upcoming soon. Yeah, so um, I was looking this up the other day. It's still on my um, browser thingy. I just went back and looked at it. Volume 4, Hades, is due out February 7th. Now, I bought Volume 3, which is Honeysuckle and Pain. 
have not had a chance to read it. Um, but yeah, four is coming out in less than a month. Nice. Maybe I'll grab a copy of three when it goes on clearance. <laughs> and then the person that you work with is going to be like, oh, you read that too? And then you're going to be like... <laughs> yeah, and they'll find out that they only read three. They're like, I love the number <laughs> three. Yeah. And it had a big three on the cover, so... Three's my lucky number. Yeah. I, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just... Uh, it just seems like that's going to go on for so long. Uh-huh. I just can't... I don't know. Well, I'm having... If you think about a series of 27 books that are released roughly two a year, let's do the math on that. And if you try and read them as they come out, six years in, you're going to be like, I don't remember what happened in the first book. That's uh, That's very true. But... That's probably about how um, Harry Potter, right? Seven books over like eight years. Yeah, yeah, approximately, yeah. So when you look at it that way, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there's a win on that. How many? So 27, and they're always 888 pages, right? Yep. Unless you can do the mind math on that. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know, it's a lot. It's 24,000 pages. Yeah, but those pages aren't very dense. But I'm saying, like, does it make more sense just to wait for number 27 to drop and be like, all right, I'm going to take two years and read through this, or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, Daniel Lewski thinks it makes sense to just wait <laughs> for all of them to be just throwing that out there. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the movie adaptation. All 27 books, one movie. Yep. All right, I think uh, it's probably time to move along. Um... You know, I thought we had a TV correspondent. Since we haven't gotten anything, I have decided that when Emma <laughs> oh, no. Portland does not give us TV recommendations, yeah. I will throw in TV recommendations. Um, let's so, be fair. I don't think we asked her for any either. So, Well, why do people always think we have to ask for things? Yeah, that Listeners. was the great thing about A. Adam Otten. He just sent yeah. us stuff. <laughs> yeah, God, I miss that guy. Listeners, if you want to send something in, I'm not promising we're going to use it. Get a hold of us. You've got an idea. The worst that's going to happen is we ignore you. Yeah. Search bar Chris. Send us your, your TV recommendations. <laughs> that's exactly. So you hear that? I'm <laughs> in Portland. You have competition now. Search bar Chris is coming for you. I, I want to talk a little bit about, and I'm really surprised because as I watch the first four episodes of this show, I'm surprised that you are not onto this already. Crazy head on Netflix. I've never even heard of it. First of all, I would like to say that might be the worst title for a TV show ever, and I have not seen anything in the first four episodes to, to indicate that it actually has anything to do with with the show other than the girl in the beginning thinks she might be nuts. She's actually getting like some kind of psychiatric treatment, but really she's not crazy at all, and that's all revealed in the first, I don't know, nine minutes of the TV show. Uh, crazy Head is a series that is on Netflix it's how do I explain this? It's like a cross between Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, and I Zombie. If you've ever seen that on the CW, I read a description of I Zombie. Is that where like it's a zombie that solves crimes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so okay. I, I forget what her name is. Um, oh no, I don't forget. Her name is Liv. Um, and she becomes a zombie, uh, but she is all, so she's a doctor and then she winds up taking a job in the morgue, um, because then she has easy access to brains after she becomes a zombie 
And Wait, because all right, all right. <laughs> well, okay. well, okay. Well, she does all the autopsies and stuff, you know. Um, but because, like any good autopsyician, what are they called when they do autopsies? Uh, mortician. Mortician, like any good mortician, um, she has to work closely with the police on details of the of the crime. But when she eats somebody's brain, she kind of takes on. She has visions of their life, usually the the last moments of their life, that type of thing, clues. But she also takes on their personality traits. Wait, and this is iZombie or is this Crazy Head? No, this is iZombie. So we're not even to the TV show you wanted to talk about. No. <laughs> Crazy that, Head. I would never watch iZombie based on what you just told me. Crazy Head. iZombie is not great. iZombie is a nice time filler. <laughs> like, you know, it's 42 minutes a week to fit in between shows you really want to watch. Um, Crazy Head. I, I'm actually I'm going to read you the description. Then I'm going to tell you what it's about. Amy and Raquel attempt to navigate their way through the choppy waters of their early 20s whilst simultaneously kicking the ass of some seriously gnarly demons. What could possibly go wrong? Mm, it does sound like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right, but think adult humor Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, they had some pretty adult humor. Um, I'm I'm not going to go into it, but I'm going to say that the last episode I watched had mention of demon jizz several times. All right, so All right. it didn't go that far. It was okay. Yes. Yeah, 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 okay. I'm just I'm guessing. I only watched like the first season of Buffy. It wasn't for me. <laughs> um, basically, Amy has been taking this medication. She stops taking the medication, and she was taking the medication because she sees things which are people's faces turned into demon faces. So she is a seer or whatever they call it, where she can tell if someone's a demon. Um, she is saved from a demon who realizes that he, he can, she can see him by Raquel, who um, also has this ability. But she's the one in the know, kind of like understands how you fight them and stuff. And they form a, a, a friendship. Um, the first episode opens with the two of them having a zombie girl pinned down um, and... Raquel is reading from the internet how to banish a zombie from like some or um, a demon from someone's body, which involves Amy urinating on this other girl. That's how the series starts. It's uh, it's I, I'm guessing it's British because they all have accents. I don't know where it's made, but it is uh, it's it's pretty goddamn funny. It's got a seven point three rating on um, on IMDb, which is not terrible. Um, a lot of fun, and it's on Netflix, and everyone has Netflix or uses somebody else's netflix account so check it out crazy head and chill crazy head and chill i'm telling you i think you would really like it that sounds good enough that i'll check it out probably gonna pass on iZombie though yeah iZombies like i said i i don't yeah yeah um i got a little tv show thing to talk about oh let's let's hear it so if you had to guess livius based on the fact that it's the second week in january what I'm obsessed about right now, what would it be? What would your guess be? Um, the 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 return of that show that's name escapes me right now with the the girls who are now nurses but used to be in school together. <laughs> uh, Scream Queens is done for the season. Oh, really? Okay. No, never yeah. mind then. I have no Sherlock. Oh, buddy, Sherlock in such a fucking insane way. Have All right. you seen how, no. how far how far okay. are you on Sherlock? Okay. Do you remember so we had a conversation <laughs> with Craig Walwork? 
after the interview um, last week. Yeah. Where as you two were talking about it, I was like, I don't remember any of this. And apparently I somehow <laughs> missed the last half hour of the first episode. So I'm two thirds of the way into the first episode. But you are on series four. Yes. Which is more than I can say for you and some other TV shows. Uh, oh my God. So the first episode of series four was kind of okay. There was just a lot of information and it had some like really kind of big moments and everything. And there was maybe some inconsistencies and we talked about it with Craig, like you said. Um, but I don't think on the podcast, the second episode and, and I am not exaggerating. The second episode of series four is probably top five episodes of anything I've ever watched ever. Wow. And I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit, so I'm not going to spoil anything or say anything that happens, but um, it's an hour and a half long, as most of their episodes are about that length. And about an hour in, there was a moment that I actually gasped. Like, I gasped out loud. And I don't emote very much at all. How melodramatic of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. It's just not my style. So this was something that was so unexpected um, because of all the tension that is going on with the actual like main story of, of the episode. And there was just this moment and it, and your mind was on so many different things. And then you just, there was this thing that happened and I was just like so unexpected that I literally gasped. Then all of this other stuff happens and like the episode at, you know, at multiple points in the, in the final third of the, of the episode had me in tears because it was just so emotional and, and crazy. So that was like, that was my reaction to it when I watched it. But afterwards I became so obsessed with like the big reveal at the end of the episode that I started going back and, and watching all the way back as far as like the first season parts of episodes to kind of refresh my memory about things that this episode is referring to. So it made me so obsessed with like how this impacts the overall story that I was going back and like pulling up old episodes and like skipping around and trying to find, Oh, this means this. And I wonder how this ties in. And I probably spent like four hours just revisiting old, like parts of old episodes to try and like wrap my mind around the puzzle that they're, that they're presenting us. It was just so well done. Very interesting. I will likely um, catch up on it this weekend. Um, I know it's on Sunday. Is the is it three episodes or four episodes this time? It's four, right? Three. Three. Okay, so this Sunday the, is the finale then. Yeah, The Abominable Bride was was technically part of Series 4, so it's four episodes, but this this run is gotcha. three. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, um, did you participate in the um, Sherlock Live on Twitter? No. Oh. What? Um, Sherlock took over the BBC One Twitter. And um, I'll read you the tweet. This is a chance to test your powers of deduction against mine. And then um, Twitter users were challenged to solve the murder of Daniel Collard. And apparently there were clues given. Um, If you look it up. Uh, the telegraph.co.uk apparently has all of the tweets. I'm just kind of, I'm not reading them, I'm kind of scrolling through, but I guess the whole thing is kind of revealed instead of waiting around for it on Twitter. You can just look at all of it now. 
like recorded or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Oh, I would have probably enjoyed that. No, I didn't know about that. Um, yeah, Sherlock is just killing it. But here's what I'll say. This episode was written by, how do you say his name? Stephen Moffat? Moffat. Yep. So it was actually written by him and not all the episodes are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, you can tell, you can, you can see the footprint of, of that writing because it's just so, um, so well done and so compelling, but also just, like, so tied into the overall canon of, of, like, the Sherlock story that, you know, you know, it had to be him. You know, that's something that, um, that Stephen carried over, I think from when he was doing Dr. Who, uh, along the lines of, and, and, and maybe, maybe this happened in the X files too. Now that I think about it and Chris Carter, write All of like the smoking man episodes, like whenever you got something that really affected the overall storyline, yeah. it was, it was him. That was the same thing. You knew if you were getting a, a Stephen Moffat episode that, you were getting something big in, in the Doctor Who universe, and I'm guessing the same thing is carried over to to, to Sherlock now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did read, and this is interesting, so um, the, the third episode, the third and final episode in Series 4 is called The Final Problem, um, and the Sherlock nerds out there hopefully will recognize in the... Um, Final episode of series two when Moriarty and Sherlock are on the roof of St. Bart's. Um, Moriarty says, you know, he mentions the final problem being um, him discovering that Sherlock was just an ordinary person and how boring basically life is when there's no one there to challenge you and stuff like that. So the final problem is the name of the third episode in series four, um, which with everything that was revealed in episode two, plus like the name of this episode, I think it's going to be insane and it's going to be live, not live stream, but it's going to, it's, it's playing in movie theaters. It's another thing the BBC has started doing with doctor who as well. Um, like bigger episodes, you can actually go see them in a movie theater. Yeah. I have to look into that and see if that's something that I can make happen because like, that'd be kind of cool to see Sherlock on the big screen. Um, yeah, I haven't taken in any of their their offerings that way, but it does seem kind of interesting. But yeah, it'll wind up. I mean, I'm sure you can find a place, but those things are those limited edition runs are usually few and far between. I think when I wanted to go see a Doctor Who one a couple of years ago, I would have had to go to like Chicago or something for it. Like it wasn't yeah. like yeah. the theater down the street from me kind of thing. So, uh, well, I'll check into it. Either way, I'm excited for it. So I can't wait for that to happen. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because the BBC Sherlock has the same problem that Luther does in that its stars are too big. Right, so it's tough to get a commitment and get time and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I can't imagine they pay a whole lot either. Which, I, I, if it's a passion project, I mean, I get it, but it, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see if we see any more Sherlock after this, or if it'll be something crazy like twenty years from now. Yeah, 2018 at the earliest, I'm guessing. Um, one final TV show I'd like to mention. I saw mention. I didn't read the article, but I saw an article posted on Facebook the other day that said the entire cast of Arrested Development is on board to come back for a season five on Netflix. I did. I saw that, and you know what my reaction was? Huh. The same reaction I just had to another season of Arrested Development. Kind of like, eh. <laughs> Fine, fine. I'm excited about it. Hey, I watched the reboot of uh, One Day at a Time, and it was 
fucking brutal. Wait, of what? One day at a time. What's one day at a time? <clears throat> I can't. I actually I, had to look it up because I've been because I've been drinking the whole time. <laughs> if listeners haven't been able to tell, I've been drinking the whole time. Actually, I was like, did I just make up a title? <laughs> one day at a time ran for nine years from the mid seventies to the mid eighties. <laughs> okay. And was rebooted by Netflix into a terrible piece of shit. Not that the original was great. Don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was rebooted and released this past weekend, and it was just just. I only watched one episode, and it was it was uh, it was brutally bad. Was it was it like a what do you call those soap opera? No, no, it was a sitcom. One day, I I can't. I'm not lying. I've never heard of this. All right, um, it, it uh, Valerie Bertinelli. Does that name mean anything to you? I mean, I've heard it. Yeah, that's that's why you've heard it. That was like the first thing she did. At least I'm assuming the first big thing she was known for. That at least I'm aware of. All right, I don't 100 percent believe you, so I'm going to IMDb right now. All right. Hey, TV series 2017, 1975 to 1984. Never in my life. Never heard of it. Never seen it. A divorced mother, her family, and the building superintendent. Ooh, their building superintendent. Schneider. As things get sexy awesome. with the building superintendent. No. All right. Yeah. Oh, it had Howard Hessman in it. He was that guy on WKRP, like the crazy DJ guy. Oh, so you actually heard of WKRP, though? Yeah. I had a redneck right. stepfather, so of course I did. <laughs> uh, thanks for contributing that. I guess. No, I'm sure that most of our listeners know <laughs> what I'm talking about. I think I don't know how this eluded you for your thirty some odd years of life. There are just either so either I have some sort of weird amnesia or certain things just did not <laughs> make it to my world. Because I was talking to someone at work today, and they were talking about um, I think Captain Planet. I, I've heard of it, but I, I don't know what that is. And apparently it was something that was airing around the time that I was in the age range, like the target market. I was the target market. Have never heard of it. But they're like reciting like songs and shit. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So maybe it's me. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe this is like the Man Mandela effect. What's the Mandela effect? <laughs> you, now you're just fucking. Uh, it's so good. All right. All right. Uh, uh, is it ticket time? I'm really excited about ticket time. Oh, hold on a second, because Snopes has an article on the Mandela effect. <laughs> and no, no, hold on, because isn't Snopes' whole job to say if things are true or not? Yeah, I don't, I don't see. I'm just scrolling because this is really, really long. Um, it's apparently just an article, and they do not give it like a thumbs up or a thumbs down on. Although it does say the glitch is in your memory, not the Matrix. What's the man? I honestly don't know what the Mandela effect is. Are you serious? Oh, okay. I know what the Streisand effect is. No, I don't. Oh man, we're gonna probably have to cover some of this off the <laughs> Streisand effect. Okay, <clears throat> the Mandela effect. Um, the the biggest. Um, so okay. It seems that people vividly remember things being very differently, and and a lot of times they're really really small things. 
the reason it's called the Mandela effect is because there are a lot of people and, and I fall into this category that are pretty sure that Nelson Mandela died like in the eighties. Oh wait. So is this like the Berenstein bears thing too? Yes, that's exactly it. And that's how I think it really came to the forefront more recently over the last couple of years. But there have been people studying or, or whatever compiling um, issues like this, where, where the, you know, the uh let me take that again where people remember things two different ways so let's let's do all right hold on a second let's let's do this i am going to give you 20 examples of the mandela effect and all i want you to say or i just want you to answer the questions in a way uh you'll you'll get what i'm saying like i'll fall on one side or the other right yeah okay so um without googling anything uh-huh. Um, the the company that makes the um, the bologna and the hot dogs, Oscar Mayer. Yeah. Do you know how do you spell Oscar Mayer? O s c a r. That's Oscar. Uh huh. Yeah. I got it. M a y e r. All right. That is that is um, believed to be correct. I guess depending on which side of the fence you're on. Um, there was a TV show, and some of these questions I have to ask kind of weirdly because I can't give you the answer. You know what I mean? Yep. There was a TV show about some women. They lived in New York. It was funny. Apparently, only if you're a woman. They made it into a movie. The title, Sex. Sex and in the, the City. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? It's. Oh, I know what you're gonna you're gonna is sex. Uh, is it in or and? I'm guessing, right? I thought it was. Well, I don't. I, I'm, I'm asking you. Um, <laughs> I know I what the answer is. I always thought it was sex and the city. It is and the city. Yeah. Um, this one was really weird. Um, it, it's how the song We Are the Champions by Queen ends. There's no good way to ask you that. Uh, uh, okay. Does the Monopoly man, Rich Uncle Pennybags, does he have a monocle? Yes. Incorrect. Damn it. Um, I don't know how much you know about Pikachu. Do you know anything about Pikachu? Like, um, if I knew what color his tail was? Black? Well, yeah. Well, but, but it just says that it, it isn't black. Oddly enough, the tip of the tail, a lot of people believe it's black. It is not. It okay. is yellow like the rest of his tail. Oh, yeah. And, okay. Yeah, the Bernstein Bears. Um, yep. Spelling or or accurate pronunciation, I guess. Steen, not stain. Yeah, see there, the Bernstein Bears. All right. Does Curious George have a tail? He's a fucking monkey. Of course he's got a tail. He has never had a tail. <laughs> um, this other one, I don't know if I'm buying this. Um, how you spell Chick-fil-A? Ch- the Which word? I don't know because I've never even been. Chick-fil-A, the, the restaurant? Yeah, yeah. That's the word chick and then F-I-L dash A. All right. So I'm sorry. Can you spell the word chick for me? C-H-I-C-K. Okay. Uh, yes, that is correct. Darth Vader doesn't say, Luke, I am your father. I don't know how to question He says, no, I am your father. Oh, see, there you go. Uh, this one's about C-3PO. Are you, are you very familiar with C-3PO? <laughs> We're about to find out. All right. Um, I see some of these questions are really hard because when I ask it, it's almost like there's no way for me to ask it for you not to have the answer. Um, what color is C-3PO? He's like gold. All right. Shiny gold. Like 100% gold. I mean, his eyes are like white. Um, 
but his main body, yeah, except for I think that like where there's like connecting parts, there might be some oh. material underneath. Yeah, but his his whole body's gold. He has had a silver leg the entire time. Motherfucker, that can't be true. Yeah, they're they're saying, and, and, and one of the problems I, I think with this one is that a lot of the memorabilia doesn't even have the silver leg. So if like you had the action figure, yeah, it was all gold. But if you yeah. pay attention in the movies, one of his legs is silver. Huh. And he had that red arm in the new. Anyway, continue. Familiar with Mr. Rogers, and probably one of the most famous songs of all time. Sure. Can you sing the first line for me, or maybe just recite the first line if you don't want to sing it? Isn't it, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood? Yeah, it's not. It's it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. That one got me, too, because I was pretty sure you were like five when I heard that, so go on. Uh, People think the Mona Lisa is smiling now, but she used to be emotionless. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Like, did they think the painting changed? Is that the Mandela effect? Yeah, I think so. Um, Kit Kat, the candy bar. Yep. Is there a dash? Yes. In between Kit and Cat, there is not a dash. All right. All right. This one was was seemed to be a lot more recently, and and, and I although I can't say that I saw it. <laughs> Sinbad. Do you remember the genie movie that Sinbad was in in the nineties? Um. Uh. I I have to admit that I was going to bring this up if you didn't. There's a. Um. I didn't know enough to have recognized either one. I will yeah, say that. Okay. Oh, that's fine. Um, let's see. But it was like Shazam or Kazam, right? Yeah, but that was with Shaq. But people seem to remember, and although I didn't see it, I also remember <laughs> being in a movie. So Shazam? Well, no, was always... not in Shazam, because I knew that was Shaq. Well, Shaq did Kazam? Wait, which one did Shaq do? Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you that the, what's his name? Um, Sinbad. Uh, Sinbad did neither. He so... did not do any movie. He, <laughs> he was just always do... wearing those baggy-ass pants. Yeah. But the movie was called Kazam. Which right. the Shaq movie? Uh, this one I well this one okay. Um, Forrest Gump. What is the what what is the famous line from Forrest Gump? Not run, Forrest, run. The other one. <laughs> he says his mom always told him life is like a box of chocolates. Yeah, he actually said life was like a box of chocolates. Um, Hannibal Lecter never said hello, Clarice, but I'm pretty sure you know that. Yeah. All right, the Anne Rice book slash movie slash whatever with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. What What is the title of that? This interview with, oh, it's going to be either a uh or the, and that's what the test is, I'm guessing. Yep. A vampire. Yeah, it's the vampire. Um, I'm skipping a couple because they're stupid. <laughs> All right, peanut butter. How this is the stupidest of... quiz ever. Yeah. But I like... <laughs> You're probably going to have to edit this whole thing out. Um, peanut butter. What, which brands of peanut butter can you name? There's name Jif. Some... Choosy Moms Choose Jif, motherfucker. There's Peter uh-huh. Pan. Okay, all right, you can stop. You can stop. All right. I also remember it being Jiffy peanut butter, and apparently that doesn't exist. No, it's Jif. Right, it was what... J-I-F, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I believe you, but that's that's the problem is that there are people that will swear to you up and down, and and I'm not necessarily one of those people, but yeah, there are those times where I go, yeah, I when I heard Nelson Mandela died, I was like, that motherfucker died a long time ago before knowing the Mandela effect was a thing. Well, I guess nobody realized it was a thing before. You, you follow what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, right, right, <laughs> yeah. Right. 
there's a world where people are like, I, know, I was going to make a joke, but anyway. But the question, the, the question is, is yeah, I, I get what you're saying. There's a world, right? Like alternate realities. But yeah. the problem is people are answering and remembering things in this reality. And some of it's stupid. Like you didn't notice C-3PO had a silver leg. Neither did I. Who, you know, does that mean that we're living in some alternate timeline from people who did or, or you know, no. But some of these things are, are a little... There's a really interesting web page, the, the Mandela Effect Organization or whatever, where they, they do these types of things. And, and a lot of it is less pop culture-y. culture-y. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. More in-depth, like more important stuff, like, you know, slew of people that remember important things happening very differently than like, they did. Yeah, like they might remember like the Challenger explosion differently or something like that. Correct. Like significant oh. parts of history. Oh, you know what? One of them, and I'm surprised it wasn't on that list because I was fairly certain that Princess Diana died in the winter and she didn't. It was in the summer. And I am almost certain that I can remember <laughs> the night that I heard that, that it was snowing out. Mm. So, I mean, stuff like that. It, it gets weird if you spend enough, like any conspiracy, <laughs> it gets weird if you spend enough time on it. <laughs> um, and so, are you aware of this? Okay, so... That was a great education on the Mandela effect. Are you aware of the Streisand effect? I get the... So here, I'm having a Mandela effect moment right now because I'm pretty sure you explained this to me once already, but I have no recollection of it. Uh, so it's called the Streisand effect because there was at one point um, uh, like a like one of those websites where you can go and buy stock photography um, okay. Okay. had a picture of her Malibu home that they were selling. And somehow it came to her attention that this picture was available for sale on their website. And she freaked out about it and just made such a big deal about them pulling it down that it became like a news item. And it became pretty popular in the news. And because the news was reporting on it, people were going and buying the photo off the website. And so, um, you know, after the whole, Interesting. I got you know, fracas and everything was done. The the website maybe sold one a month picture of the Streisand's house, but while this whole news thing and the whole legal thing was heating up, like the number of sales went through the roof, and so I guess the moral is, had she not brought attention to it herself, you know, it would not right. have been as bad as she thought it was like or whatever so that type of right thing. she caused she caused it to be much worse than if she just would have left it alone exactly interesting so huh. yeah um another example i guess there was some fucking idiot woman walking through a mall one time and she fell into the um uh, like a, a, a water, <laughs> that. yeah the water thing whatever yep. like the the where you what do you what do you call that the, the wishing well typically. yeah yeah that kind of thing Lines, yeah yeah um and I guess somehow it got out, but like in a very controlled way. And she freaked out so much about it that again, it made the news. And then everybody's watching this idiot woman fall into the water. And had she approached it in a way that wasn't so freak outy, she probably could have got them to change it without it making news. So that's the Streisand effect. Very interesting. Well, here's what we're going to try. We're going to try to Streisand effect our way into an award. <laughs> I can't wait for this. I'm so excited. It's ticket so, time. Yeah, last year we didn't make a big deal about this. And you know what happened? We didn't get an award. Right. So let's see 
if we get Barbra Streisand to fact our way right into this award. It is time, dear listeners. Um, I know that every week we ask you for money on Patreon. Um, but it's cool. It's cool. If you're on Patreon, you're, you're welcome to also participate and vote. But if you're not, and we are one of your favorite podcasts, and, and I'm just going to assume we are because we the best, we, it's time. We are the Rob best. Rob understand that's it. Rob, Rob will understand that little inside joke. We the best. Um, it's time to cast your vote. And to make voting easier for you, we have um, we have spent time and built charts and everything. We are going to give you all the votes that you need um, to, to cast your vote for, for the This Is Horror Awards for 2016. That's right. Now, just so that you know a little bit about how the awards work, um, I'm going to read you the instructions at the top. Please send your votes to awards at thisishorror.co.uk with the subject line, Awards 2016. To cast a vote, simply write the category and your vote for each award. You may vote for your top two in each category. So you name an award, and then you say your top two choices for that category. That is correct. <laughs> it felt like you were going to keep going on that. Um, I can't. I mean, I can say that the voting closes 12.01 <laughs> Greenwich Mean Time, Monday, the 23rd of January, 2017. Yeah, so really, you've got 10 days. You've got probably eight days or so from when you're hearing this to get your vote in. Yeah. Um, we are going to start at the top of the list, and we are going to give you what we think. And, and when I say this, you have to understand that this is a little bit uh, nepotistic. Because Good we word. didn't read, we didn't read all six of the novels of the year. We read three of them, and out of those three, we would like to recommend which ones you should vote for. <laughs> exactly. Um, not based on the fact that we're not saying that it's kind of like when we did our year in review. We weren't saying that the the books that we listed as our tops of the year are the best books in fiction for 2016 because we didn't read all 72,000 or however many came out. Um, we're going to deal in, in, in what we know. So, Rob, would you like to let the listeners know who they should vote for for Novel of the Year? Absolutely. The booked recommendation, the booked ticket, Novel of the Year for 2016. This is Horror Awards. Uh, in no particular order, these are our two recommendations. Disappearance at Devil's Rock by Paul Trumbly and Mongrels by Stephen Graham Jones. With a... Uh, an honorable mention. So, like, if if one of these guys, like Stephen Graham Jones, like stole your cat, or Paul Tremblay, you know, didn't return your email, or something like that, and you're just holding a grudge. Um, uh, honor- whoa, whoa, hold on! I just want you to know that he's returned every email I've sent. <laughs> well, I, I did say that because it's a little bit insane because yeah, he's like the most thoughtful guy in the world. But uh, yes, <laughs> honorable mention: uh, experimental film by Gemma Files. So again. Number one and two, Paul Tremblay's Disappearance of Devil's Rock and Stephen Graham Jones' Mongrels. That's the book ticket. For novella of the year, although we did review two of these, um, um, (laughs) I can only say The the Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Laval, um, because the other one, The Warren by Brian Evanson, just did so little for me um, that, that... I, I can't, I'll, although, and, and as will be evidence shortly, I love Brian <laughs> Evanson, but I, I can't in good faith tell you to, to vote the Warren. Battle to Black Tom was awesome. 
absolutely awesome. All right. Next. Short story collection of the year. You should definitely, without a doubt, cast your vote for Brian Evanson and A Collapse of Horses, which was wonderful <laughs> for, for numerous reasons. There was the multiple covers um, that we talked about, but more importantly, just goddamn good storytelling. 100% agreed. Um, I don't think we have skin in this next game here. Anthology of the year? No, we've got nothing. Um, write in the booked anthology? Yeah, I, I suppose it'd be right right in words. I know it didn't come out in 2016. I think that's a qualifier, but fuck it. Make Michael David Wilson read through a bunch of ones that say the book <laughs> anthology anyway. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been anthology of the year for This Is Horror since 2013, so yeah, it's, it's time. about time it came back, right? It's time. There, maybe there's a re-released version. <laughs> Go check the Amazon store or just sign oh. up for a newsletter and get a copy for free. Yeah. Did we talk about... We haven't mentioned on the podcast yet what the the big news with the book anthology, have we? Oh no, we'll save that for right after this. All right, all right, all right. So next next category uh, on the, on the the awards here is fiction magazine of the year. What are your thoughts on that, Livius? Um, I don't know that we need fiction magazines. Uh, you're probably right. All right, skipping That's my along. Thought on that. Okay. Publisher of the year. Publisher of the year. Here is a category where um, again we have no personal skin in the game, um, but Gray Matter Press um, did put out i can taste the blood which rob and i both loved and was arguably one of the most fun episodes to record last year so for that oh and gray matter press tweets about us like every 36 seconds oh my God, yeah. or something yeah. so we'll we'll take we'll take that love and uh the book ticket gray matter press for publisher of the year that's right all right next up fiction podcast of the year <laughs> like how somebody asked us and i'm not going to expose this person's <laughs> name about why we're not listed under the fiction podcast of the year. And that's because everything you hear, everything you hear on this podcast is 100%, 100% true and not fiction. <laughs> Which should horrify many of you. Uh, but it's true. So, Which is why we should win horror podcast of the year. Hold on. What? Now you're confusing me. Fiction podcast of the year is what we're talking about. And we're not in that Correct. category. But you said you said that it was horrifying that we were in it, and I said, oh, just, all right, yeah, all right. this yeah, is horror, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to my own words. That's the problem. Um, we have a pretty clear um, winner in this category as far as we're concerned, and that's the Welcome to Night Vale podcast. Yeah, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, although I am going to mention one at the end of this uh, after we're done talking about this because they're not nominated. Um, I have listened to Pseudopod. And a Pseudopod is a pretty good podcast, too. So if you need a second-place one on the book ticket, um, I'm going to recommend Pseudopod. There you go. But, again, welcome to Night Vale. Correct. And now, finally, non-fission. non-fission. <laughs> no fission on this podcast. <laughs> this is the podcast that has nothing to do with fishing. Non-fiction podcast of the year, um, obviously and undeniably booked is going to be your choice for nonfiction podcast of the year. If you have to write in a second one, write booked again. Can you do that? I don't, I don't see why. I don't, I don't see why you couldn't again. Let, let Wilson figure all this shit out. Yeah. It's his fucking problem to tally it. I'm sure that, you know how like they always say that the British people are really good at like forming cues. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I think they're also really good at tallying things. It could be. Tally sounds like a very British word. Yeah, yeah. He's the tally-ho of the group. <laughs> um, 
It's terrible. This is so and terrible. one day the UK will get Survey Monkey. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there it is. That's your book to ticket. There you go. If you want to, um, if you want to review that ticket in a very concise way, rewind about three minutes <laughs> and just listen to it again. Right. So, um, yeah, we appreciate your vote. Um, please take a minute. Um, I've said this before. It's absolutely okay if you're at work. Just go to your coworker's computer if they're on break or on lunch and send an email from there too. We don't really care how we win. Yeah, we can. Um, we can trumpet. Yeah, I'm okay with that. What was the other way we were going to do? What was the other approach when we first started talking about this? Uh, the other method we mentioned earlier, we'll do it that way. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Is that we I started talking about the Mandela. We're talking Russian, or? yeah, Russian, <laughs> <laughs> Russian hackers, whatever. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I may have dirt on some of these other podcasts if we need to use it. I'm not. I'm not above that. Dude, totally. Um, can I send out an, an honorable mention for a podcast that's not listed here that that I listened to um very recently? Yes, please. Archive eighty one is a um, horror fiction podcast that I uh, I quite enjoyed. Um, it's like ten or twelve episodes, and they're they're all fairly short. But uh, I'll read you the very uh, brief synopsis. Three months ago, Daniel Powell vanished. These are the tapes he sent me. If you know anything, please contact me at archive81podcast at gmail.com. Does that get you? Does that get you a little, little um, interested? I'm raising, an, I'm raising an eyebrow. Yeah, it's uh, it's played. So the, the, the us of that podcast, the guy who, who handles it, is pitching this as he's playing you tapes that his friend sent him. And his friend was hired by a government agency to um, transcribe or archive or whatever some tapes that were interviews that a woman was doing at an apartment complex that has uh, some kind of weirdness going on in it. Oh. Yeah. Cool. I had a, I had a long car drive um, for, for work. And uh, listen to that on, uh, you know, both both on my way uh, to my destination and on my way back, um, and uh, it held my interest, which is uh, more than I can say for uh, for a lot of other things I listen to. That's awesome. Yeah, mm. check that out. Maybe Write that, that should be the non- fiction podcast. That should be the yeah. fiction podcast of the year. Yeah. Yep. Um, do we have any other final things, or are we just going to tell them what's coming up next? Uh, let's just. I think we've. I think we've got to call this a night. Um, so, in an effort to boost the page count for the year, um, I, I stumbled across something that Rob was actually a little familiar with, and we agreed to review Dracula versus Hitler by Patrick Sheehan Duncan, which is a whopping five hundred pages. Woo! I don't think Rob knew that until I just said it. Didn't know that. I just discovered that right now. Yeah, so so um, we're going to go from 27 to 527 in a big, big hurry. Um, that'll be your next episode. I uh, I started it. I am 13% of the way into it, and I will tell you that the structure is interesting. Now, I have a very serious question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have something really funny that I just noticed. Um, who are you, who are you rooting for? Because you got your people are involved, but also you're kind of a bigot apologist. So 
Is there just I, like this uh, war raging inside your mind? It's still really early. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's it still be, really early. I think I would respect this book if it made Hitler, like you know, I you know like you'd kind of identify with him. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that I, I do believe that that this will end with with no winner. That's your uh, gut. Yeah, that that it's going. It's going to be the the Freddy versus Jason yeah. kind of situation. Yeah. yeah, that that's what I'm that's what I'm going with. So the thing that I thought was funny, so I went to the Dracula versus Hitler um, Amazon listing, and you know how Amazon always has the like frequently bought together, and customers who bought this also bought blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Frequently bought together, Dracula versus Hitler, and. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the original screen screenplay by J.K. Rowling. <laughs> that is uh, that is a little weird. Um, I didn't do a lot of research in this. We'll talk about it a lot more. But the the guy who wrote this, this is probably his first novel, but he is known for um, for things like movies that people have seen. Patrick Sheen Duncan. Um, oh wow! Look at that. He wrote Mr. Holland's Opus. Yeah, that's kind of big. Yeah, but he has no real listings on uh, for for books. Courage Under Fire, which was also Dude. a movie. Yeah, but but I think that might be like a novelization. I don't even know if that's an actual. Oh, all right. Well, that that puts a different spin on things. This is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, Felicia Day gave it a, a positive um, write-up. Oh, this is, this is going to be a nerd thing because Will Wheaton also gave it a positive write-up. Yeah, it's going to be nerdy. All our nerd people should check this out. Um, like I said, so far I'm going to say it's it's a, it's it's interesting structure. All right, looking forward to it. Haven't had enough Hitler in our reading lately, so... <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, so come back next episode where you're going to hear us talking about vampires and Nazis. Um, until then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. <laughs>